0: text for today's message is from Isaiah, chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evil doers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it, in your presence. And it is desolate, as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks, or of lambs, or of goats. When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons and sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with it. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons, your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble to me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands when you spread forth your hands I will hide mine eyes from you yea when you make many prayers I will not hear your hands are full of blood wash you make you clean put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes cease to do evil learn to do well seek judgment relieve the oppressed judge the fatherless plead for the widow come now and let us reason together saith the lord though your sins be as scarlet They shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Father, we commit this time to you now. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is life. We thank you that it is light. Father, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon our nation, on our land, upon our churches, and that you would cause your light to drive back our darkness, that you would cause your life to raise us from the dead, because we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah opens his prophecy with these blistering words. Judah is a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, corrupting children who have forsaken the Lord and provoked God to anger. The whole thing is sick and corrupt and putrefying. It's covered in bruises and boils, and therefore it is being burned and devoured. And while a a remnant has been left, unlike in Sodom and Gomorrah, They are the moral equivalent of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he calls them the rulers of Sodom, the people of Gomorrah, in verse 10. And then he excoriates them for their worship. God says he hates their sacrifices, their assemblies, their incense, and their Sabbaths, verses 11 through 14. When they lift up their hands, God says he doesn't even look. He hides his eyes. And when they make many prayers, God does not listen. Because their hands are full of blood. Verse 15. But Isaiah has been sent to this filthy nation in order to proclaim to them what they need. They need to be washed clean. And and they need to be washed clean in an effectual way. In a way that drives them to true repentance, to put away their evil, and to learn real obedience. Verses 16 and 17. So God calls them through his prophet to come, come to him, and be forgiven. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Verse 18. I can think of very few passages that apply to our nation and our moment so well as Isaiah 1. We are a wicked nation, laden with iniquity. We are full of corrupt children and corrupting children who have forsaken the Lord. We are sick from head to toe. Our cities are literally going up in flames and being devoured in our presence. We are Sodom and Gomorrah with our pride parades and our sexual debauchery and insanity. And yet we carry on. We have the audacity to carry on, like Israel of old, with our Christian platitudes, our God bless Americas, and our and our, our calls for prayer, pastors and priests, blessings, sodomite marriages, abortion clinics, and trans-confusion, and many millions gather to raise hands covered in blood. And God has manifestly stopped listening to our stupid prayers. God hates our prayers. He hates it when we pray because our hands are full of blood. He hates our inane songs. He loathes our pep rally sermons. The American church is an abomination to the living God. And we know that the American church is an abomination to the living God because God isn't blessing her. Because God is not blessing the American church. The American church has no authority, no influence, and the only influence we have is to help the debauchery continue on apace. The church, the American church, is full of corruption, full of dissipation, full of perversion, and every wicked thing. Everything you can find in the world, you can find somewhere in the church. We deserve to be destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah. We deserve to have our babies murdered by the millions. We deserve to have our economy flattened. We deserve to have our freedoms taken away. We deserve to have our children and our grandchildren enslaved. We deserve famines and fires and plagues and suffering. We have mocked the living God, and he hates what we are doing. We have mocked him, and he hates what we are doing. And no one's clean. Everyone has filth on their face and on their hands and on their hearts. You and me are part of the problem. We have joined in the filth. We have looked at pornography. We have committed adultery and fornication. We have committed abominations in our hearts, in our minds. We have lusted. We have raped, abused, hated, stolen, lied, despised. And God hates all of it. He hates our sin. He hates our filth. And he hates it. Because it's evil, because it's violent, because it sheds innocent blood, because it destroys human lives. And ultimately, because it is a it is a complete and an arrogant strike and rebellion against the living God. And so, we must be made clean. You must be made clean. Our land must be washed clean. God sent Isaiah many centuries ago, to denounce Judah. But God also sent Isaiah with this command, Get clean. Come to me now, and I will wash you clean. Stop running. Stop hiding. Stop making excuses. Stop trying to buy God off with good works, with empty promises, with attempts to try harder, with emotional hits. You can't buy God off. You can't make your sins go away you can't make up for any of them. And so God says, "Come to me now." God says, the living God says, "Come to me now. I will wash you clean." The problem is that not that there's nothing to be done about our sin. The problem is on top of all of our sin, we refuse to come. The problem is not that not that there's nothing to be done. The problem is not that there's nothing to be done about our filth and our rebellion. The problem is that on top of it all, we refuse to come. And so it's for this precise situation that God came. It's for this precise situation that God sent his son into this disease-infested world, into this sexual cesspool of a world, in order to rescue filthy and failed sinners. The name Jesus means Savior. He came to save us from our sins. He did not come for the healthy. He did not come for the good. He did not come for the clean. He came for the sick, the wicked. He came for the defiled. Have you sinned? Was your sin grievous and defiant and deviant? Did you know better and did you do it anyway? Did you lie? Did you cheat? Did you steal? Then you qualify. You qualify for God's grace. And God says, come now, come now, and let me wash you. This is the message of God's grace to those covered in the guilt and shame of sin. I will remember your sins no more. Hebrews 8.12. As far as the east is from the west, so I have removed your sins from you. Psalm 103, verse 12. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, nine. Though your sins be like scarlet, I will wash you whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. Isaiah 1, 18. Christ came for filthy sinners. Christ died for our sins. Don't say it doesn't matter anymore. That you failed so many times that there's nothing you can do about it. No, that's the lie of the devil, the accuser, who is essentially saying that you can't get clean now. This is what the devil says. It's too late. You've done it too many times. You're too filthy. You're too dirty. You can't really get clean. But he's lying and saying that you are defiled, damaged goods, that you cannot ever really stand holy before a a holy God or have a happy family or a blessed marriage under the blessing of God. No, those are lies. Damn lies. Lies from the pit of hell. The accuser accuses by bringing up real sins and false sins and he doesn't really mind playing dirty at all all he wants is to heap up condemnation that's what the devil does he heaps up condemnation he accuses he brings charges against god's people and he and he does it all day long but let me ask you this who is the bride of christ who is christ's wife who is christ's beloved who is the wife of our savior Do you remember? She was a whore, a prostitute, a slut, a sexually defiled tramp, defiled with all the idols of the nations. Did you hear what Isaiah said about her? The nation was foul, wicked, defiled, disgusting. And what has Christ's blood done for her? Christ's blood has washed her clean. Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Has Christ done that? Did Christ die for his bride? Did he make her clean? Is he presenting her to himself, holy and without blemish? Do you believe Then there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1 Why did Jesus die? In order to cleanse the filthy. In order to take away every spot, every wrinkle, every blemish. He took our condemnation so that there might be no condemnation for those who look to him. And this is the glorious story that fills the pages of scripture. It's the story of the entire Bible. Who was Rahab? A prostitute in Jericho, who turned to the God of Israel and became the mother of Boaz, the great-great-grandmother of David, an heiress of the Messiah. Who was Bathsheba, an adulteress, perhaps the victim of a political power play, and she became the mother of Solomon and the heiress of the Messiah? Who was Abraham, a foolish man who slept with his servant girl? Yes, and the father of all the faithful. Who was David, a polygamist, an adulterer, an accomplice of murder? Yes, and a man after God's own heart, and so on. And who are you? A sinner? Yes, and by faith, an heir of eternal life and a friend of the living God. So get your head and heart around this grace, or better, let this grace get around your head and heart. The whole point of being a Christian is the fact that we are lost, we have failed, we have sinned. And Jesus is our righteousness. We have no righteousness of our own. He is our righteousness. He is our only goodness. He is our only hope. Turn to him now. Go to him. Run to him. And get clean. And walk in the light. The same God who calls the light out of the darkness declares sinners clean who turn to him in faith. How does God make us clean? The same way he made the world, by his word. This is why he says, come, come now. And we want to do something else first. We say, well, I know I need to get clean, but first I want to do this. I know I need to get clean, but first I need to do this. And he says, come, come. And when we come, he says, you're clean. And we look down at our hands, and we look down, and we see ourselves in the face of Jesus Christ, and we are clean. This is what God does, and it's the only way that our land will become clean. It's the only way that our churches will be made clean. It's the only way that you and me and our families and our marriages will be healed and made clean. We must come, and he calls us to come. He says, come. This grace is not possible by getting your act together, by reading another theology book, by trying harder, or by reading some Christian books, or or joining the right church. This grace is only possible by faith in Jesus, And that means, what we mean by that, is faith in the word of Jesus, believing the word of Jesus. He created the world by his word, and he recreates the world by his word. And that means believing his word, believing the promise of Christ. And he says, "'Behold, I make all things new.'" All things includes you, your family, your marriage, your past, your present, your future. And that is a gift to be received. You can do nothing to make that gift happen. You can do nothing to make yourself clean. All you can do is receive it and walk in it. So come. Amen.